Testing one, two, three, here I go. Give me that microphone. Welcome to the Makeup Artist Chronicle, where we are demystifying the hype in the beauty industry and giving it to you real. I'm your host, Julia Lubin. Hello, welcome back to the Makeup Artist Chronicle. We do air horn on the peony all the time. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome. Did you love last week's episode with Nora of Nora's Nook? Because I just ugh, adore her and she her Instagram is insane. She's been she just made like a peacock serving tray that she put a reel up of. Oh my goodness, it's so, so, so beautiful. Thank you to everyone who listened and downloaded and threw some feedback our way for that episode. I have, the way that this podcast started was to talk to you about kind of where I am in the industry, what I learn as a makeup artist and as kind of a beauty specialist in the industry and how I got to where I am, but also where am I now and where am I going? And so I thought, it would be very, very cool to include these women in this kind of makers series or this female entrepreneur series where I interview women that have started their own business. And this came up very much organically because um, Marissa of Saucy Mommy Lashes, admire her. She's doing really great things and she is in the beauty space. But then my second guest in the Maker series was Nora and she's making things that are very beautiful, but it's more like home lifestyle things, less beauty. But I feel like these things are all connected, like hashtag aesthetic. But I was like, you know what, there are all of these industries in which we can create and make and be artists and be makers and wouldn't it be great to just talk to more women who are doing it and seeing where are they at in their journey. So um, yeah, and then I thought about this episode, natural kind of trajectory of my mind. I thought about, well, on this episode, why don't I talk about if you want to be a makeup artist or if you want to know what it takes to kind of break through into the industry, why don't I share my experience and share anecdotes of what I learned along the way of getting to where I am now? So that's what this episode is about. But quick disclaimer, like I'm focusing on the makeup artist piece, not the influencer piece. I'm not saying you can't be both. And I'm not saying that influencers are not makeup artists. But there are two very, the difference between those two careers are that basically like the level of exposure and what your priorities are. So as an influencer, your priority is probably marketing and sales. Whereas if you're a makeup artist, it's probably, you know, the art and then mm, getting hired. So this episode is going to be for a makeup artist. I can do another episode on the influencer piece if you wish. So let me know if that's what you want to hear. But Before I talk about this, I want to talk about a movie that I watched yesterday, a documentary about gender parity and uh, not only gender parity, but also race parity um, and representation in Hollywood, inclusion in Hollywood. This documentary was 
so good. You know how sometimes you're so aware of something and maybe you've experienced it yourself, but you don't realize the scope of it or you you see something or someone tells you something that makes you realize the scope of it or reframes it in a way that you digest it differently in a refreshed way. That's what this documentary did for me. So it's called This Changes Everything. It's on stars. And Gina Davis produced it because she also has a nonprofit. I believe it's a nonprofit that is focused on inclusion in Hollywood and specifically, you know, uh, opportunities for women and female representation. So there were some really big names in this documentary. I'm, I'm talking Kate Blanchett. I'm talking Natalie Portman. And just a very, very long list of influential, influential power players in Hollywood. Oh, obviously Reese Witherspoon. I can't say gender parody and not say Reese Witherspoon. She's killing it. But it was just this realization of the... We all know of these kind of archetypes, right, of the ingenue, the girlfriend, the mother, like all of these roles that are typecast for women that does not explore their complexities, oftentimes because they're being written by a man, oftentimes a white man, that just no matter how hard he can try to empathize, just won't necessarily get it. So... The, like, this is an issue that we're all aware of. This is something that happens. Some of us may be experiencing it in our industries, or if you're in the entertainment industry, you might be like, okay, yeah, tiny violin, this is just an ongoing saga. But what this documentary did and what the Gina Davis Institute in general did was get the statistics. So they basically gave you the data for, like, how many time, how much screen time a male gets versus a female in the whole cast how much um speak like how many lines how much speaking time does a male get versus a woman um and the institute did this study with eventually they automated it with google ai to really just like analyze all of these commercials movies films all of it to see kind of what is the representation and because as human beings that's how we absorb it you know what I mean if you're a little girl and you're watching all of these guys get the lead and they get more lines they get center stage they get more attention they get more validation for all of their emotions they're complicated and all of these things the most you can ever aspire to be is one of them, but you'll never be one of them because you're not a man yourself. And so within society, you are not living within a construct that allows you to be this person you idolize. So the importance of having representation on the screen is to see a woman being validated giving, being given center stage and speaking lines and attention and complexity by casting women leads and writing parts for them and like getting them on the screens. The numbers were audacious, but I highly recommend you watch it because it's, it's just such a good documentary. And if you are male and you listen to this podcast, watch it. You're probably going to love it, actually. Um, but I feel like straight white men specifically, which I don't think you're in my audience, so it doesn't even matter. But if you are, you got you to gotta step up and be an ally. You, you got to do the right thing. 
So it's a great film. I have tried to think of ways that I could do justice and I haven't yet. I think I'm still in the stage of like absorbing all of the information and finding ways to like think about it and talk about it in a thoughtful way, but watch it. Please watch it and then DM me so that we can talk about it together because I'm, it's a year of this pandemic and I miss you guys. Like I miss connecting with people in a dynamic, like real time kind of way. So check out This Changes Everything on Stars, and let's talk about being a makeup artist, getting into the industry, how do you get started, how do you get your foothold, how do you get momentum? I'm so excited to talk about this. For those of you who are newer, hello, welcome, thank you for being here. (laughs) My name is Julia, I am a professional freelance makeup artist, and I have lived and worked in New York and LA. I'm in the Bay Area right now. I have worked backstage at New York Fashion Week. I have prepped actresses for the red carpet. I have done weddings, editorials. In fact, on the editorial side, my work has been published in magazines around the world. So that's exciting. And with the rise of different social media platforms, anyone can truly get their work out there, right? So you could very well be a makeup artist. You could very well put yourself out there. But again, like I said at the top of the show, there's a difference between being an influencer and having your primary revenue stream, your primary career, your primary kind of the things you need to survive in this world, like being able to buy food. Um, (laughs) If your primary goal is to brand contracts and sponsorships and, and affiliates and all of that with your social media or your website or what have you, that's going to be a different path that you take versus being a makeup artist that goes on sets or goes on location, does the work, and then kind of gets paid for that job itself. This is the latter. We're talking about being a makeup artist. And the question of being a makeup artist and being successful at it is how do you define that success? Is this something that you're setting out to do as a hobby that makes you happy and really fulfills you? Great. Is does success to you look like getting a certain number of likes on social media? Does success for you mean I want to be able to do my makeup and get paid for it? Okay, well, that's the influencer route. Does success to me look like working with clients um, to to do their makeup and having that connection, having that moment? Okay, well, then you might want to consider being a makeup artist as a career. So on today's episode, I want to share the five steps that I think you should take to perfect your skills and start making money off of them as a makeup artist. And the first step is just that, perfect your skills. Ultimately, you really need to nail a few key, key basics when it comes to makeup, and then you can make them your own. So if you're starting from no experience at all, um, look at every red carpet, runway show, look at a magazine spread, even go on YouTube and see what other um, people in the space are doing. And you'll see the basics, right? The basics are a a bright lip or a red lip, a classic lip, right? A smoky eye. Could be a blue one, could be a black one. A winged liner or a graphic liner or however creative you can get with liner. Flawless skin. 
ultimately a bright lip, a smoky eye, a wing liner, and being able to do a flawless complexion are the basics that you really, really need to nail. And then you can go off and make it your own, depending on what your client or you kind of want to do, right? And some looks may seem pretty advanced. Like you may watch, you may go onto YouTube and watch someone just do a full beat face and be like, oh, oh, I, I, that's, that's, way out of my wheelhouse. No, 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 it's not. At their cores, all of these looks that are so advanced or highly creative, they are just elaborate versions of the basics. So I urge you, what I will urge you to do is if you do go on YouTube or Instagram, wherever you get your kind of beauty content and you watch someone apply their makeup, pick what you feel like is the most elaborate look ever or the most creative look or a look that feels out of your league and focus on only pinpointing the basics, right? So is there a winged liner? Is there a bold lip? Is there a smoky eye? Like what, break it down into its parts because once you realize that uh, all of these highly creative looks are just basics that have been built up on, It'll make it way, way, way less intimidating for you. And then you can focus on the parts that you want to, right? So maybe one week while you're perfecting your skills, you're doing lips. Like that's all you're doing is just figuring out, okay, how do I do a a perfect red lip? How do I do a perfect pink lip? How do I change the, the, the lip liner so that the shape of the lip changes? That's what you focus on. And then maybe in the next week you go to a smoky eye. Okay, well, what happens when I when I do a black smoky eye? Okay, blue. Okay, what if I what if I play with like pastel pink? That could be a smoky eye. So you play around that and just you build up on all of these basics. And before you know it, you have a full-on creative capacity because you have the building blocks, right? And aside from YouTube. The other book that a lot, a lot of makeup artists talk about, I'm going to bring it up as well because it is a classic and because it it does work. It's Making Faces by Kevin Aquan. Kevin Aquan was a, you may know the beauty brand. He was a legendary makeup artist. He kind of really, really peaked, I would say probably in the 90s. He worked very closely with Naomi Campbell. He gave us like that luxury, glamorous, all of the looks that you saw in the 2000s with like Instagram makeup, the con- the drag makeup techniques, the contouring and the highlighting and the this and the that, that came from drag. It was popularized by Kevin Aquan and then it kind of made its way into the zeitgeist with YouTube. So Making Faces is a really, really great book where you get the elements of all of this broken down. So if you want to know how to contour, it's broken down based on face shape, based on tones. It's it's really, really basic and it's a great visual guide because there are a lot of sketches in it that really help you. Um, you can also check out my YouTube channel. I've done some videos to break the basics down. I know there has to be at least one red lip on there. There's definitely an applying false lashes. So just the resources are there. And once you've ex- like exposed yourself to them, once you've you've started to to watch, then you start to make, right? So you're going to consume content and then I want you to actually use content and do it and, and, and you don't have to put it out there. You don't have to like record or anything, but you know, if you watch a video on a red lip, try doing the red lip on yourself. If you 
are able to, I know we're, we're in a panini right now, so it's a little hard, but if you're able to practice on other people, that's going to be a huge bonus. If you're able to practice on other people that don't look like you, that's an even bigger bonus. So practice, 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 see how different products match up to each other, practice your technique, Um, be sure that you take before and after photos of your work. And I'm going to touch more on that later, but very, very important. Just start doing it. Obviously, if you're, you're practicing on someone else, get their consent first, but make sure you get before and afters. Then once you've gotten the basic techniques down, branch out into exploring those basics on other people, on yourself, different colors. Ultimately, what you are going to have in your toolkit that sets you apart from everyone else, should you choose to focus on it, is the different face shapes, the different eye shapes, the different skin tones, the different skin types, all of the things that make us different, make us beautiful. And you as a makeup artist should know how to work on a darker complexion, just as you would on a fairer complexion with an almond shaped eye versus a monolid versus protruding eyes versus little lips versus big lips versus all of it. Heart shaped face, square face, oval. Once you are able to kind of break down faces into the sum of their parts, just like you were the techniques in those videos, then you'll be able to give that person a fantastic look, especially if you're working with a client, like a wedding, or you're doing something like that, you are going to want to make suggestions that complement what the client is looking for, right? So if a client has eyes that they feel are too wide set, so they're set a little further apart, And the client complains like, oh, I, you know, like this is a problem. I hate how this looks. You as a makeup artist should be able to say, okay, well, there's a really easy technique where you can add a little bit of shadow in the inner corners and it kind of shortens that area. So the more that you're able to work on these different faces, the faster and better your toolkit is going to get built up with all of the ways that you're able to meet your client's needs. And that client could be, you know, like I said, a bride. It could be a, you might be working on a model and your client is the magazine or the brand that's hired the photo shoot. So I am going to talk about how to deal with different clients, but that comes later. For right now, if you're just starting out, go ahead and just practice, 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 practice. Now, if your goal is to be a beauty influencer only, I would recommend investing in the production value of your videos right? Really get to know your your video editing software and your filters and all that. But if your goal is to be a working makeup artist, then you need to know how to work with features. You need to know how to work with imperfections and demands that are not your own, right? You're going to need to work with those clients. So we'll touch on how to do that. But at this point, practice, practice, practice. And if you want to do this as your career, then you're going to have to experience doing the work even when you don't want to do the work right? Like I feel this all the time where I am, I know I need to produce videos, right? And I know I need to do my makeup in those videos. And I just don't want to. I just don't want to. It's much easier for me to show up on a set when there are expectations and do the work. But there are definitely some times when you're like, oh, I just want to bail on this client. I just can't. And you have to just sit down and you got to do the work. 
That's what this stage is for. It's for really figuring out where your comfort zone is and just edging past it. Because once you get in front of a client, that's going to be a whole new world. But before you get in front of a client, I would say step two is figure out what kind of makeup artist you want to be. There are so many different kinds of makeup jobs. So you can dabble in all of them. Like you can do a lot of things pretty well, or you can really drill down on doing one thing really, really well, right? Picking a lane and just speed racing down it. So some types of makeup artist lanes are runway, you have editorial, which are, you know, those high fashion spreads that you might see in in Vogue or those kinds of magazines, right? Wedding, makeup, TV, film, red carpet, corporate headshots, male grooming, commercial, like there's, it. you just, there's so much, so many avenues, right? So many options for you to explore as a makeup artist. Personally, I thrive in an editorial space because I'm able to be creative and I have more time than when I'm backstage at a runway show, for example. And I definitely do not enjoy wedding makeup because I don't know if you know this, but even the most accommodating brides on their wedding days are still brides. They still have a very specific vision. That's a very difficult client. Sometimes personalities clash. I have done a handful of weddings and there's maybe like one where it was enjoyable for me or maybe two. Um, So, you know, figure out where you want to focus. And that comes from knowing yourself and knowing what kind of environment you thrive in. So if you love fast paced and just like quickly changing, maybe you will thrive better backstage at a runway show. You have to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are, what kind of environment you thrive in, and then you have to weigh the pros and cons of what different types of makeup artist spaces or lanes are like, right? So I was saying I thrive in an editorial space, but on the flip side, editorial work is way more competitive to get hired for, and it's a bigger bureaucracy. And so, you know, the the makeup artists that are getting hired to do the Vogue shoots They are represented by agents, some of the top agencies, talent agencies in the world. In order to get a talent agent, like it's a whole, like a lot of jumping through hoops to get your work in vogue. So you have to commit to saying, okay, well, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump through those hoops and I'm going to make those commitments. Weddings, however, are more stable. You can always count on the fact that weddings will happen and you can set your own rates And for those of you saying like, no, weddings are not always going to be around. Like, look at the panini. Okay, yes, 2020 was a tough time for weddings because of the number of total weddings. It it took a nosedive and a lot of people in the wedding space, in the wedding industry, venues, makeup artists, caterers, everyone was suffering. But, but people still got married. The rates dipped, but they didn't go away, especially at the end of the year when everyone was like totally fucking over, done, finished, kaput with this parabola. Even I worked a wedding in 2020. So, you know, figure out what kind of makeup artist you want to be, weigh the pros and cons of different industries, and then, you know, figure out what you need to do to really commit to that lane and figure out what success along the way looks like. And if you have more questions, if you're like, okay, well, 
I want this path and you want to kind of talk to me about it, go ahead and reach out to me. The Makeup Artist Chronicle is on Patreon and we have a few different tiers of membership. One is to just support the show, 10 bucks a month. It goes a really long way because we don't have ads, but the other tiers, there are four other tiers that get you a coaching session or up to four coaching sessions a month with me where we hop on a Zoom, we talk about your goals, we talk about your questions, be it makeup related, be it podcast related, be it life related, because something that you may or may not know about me is, yes, I'm a makeup artist, yes, I make money from it, but for 10 years, I have actually been in the startup space. I've worked at a lot of successful startups, coaching people, managing people, helping people thrive and grow and achieve their goals. So if you want those personal training sessions, go ahead and hop on our Patreon. The link is in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, if you have a very specific question, go ahead and DM me at the Makeup Artist Chronicle. Um, I believe the handle, no, I know for a fact, the handle is MUA Chronicle on all socials. And if you want that one-on-one face-to-face coaching, I'm telling you, it's a great deal. Head to my Patreon, check it out, and let me know. And let's get you on track to really fulfilling your goals of what you want to do in this life. And to be quite honest, even if you think you know what kind of artist you want to be, and you haven't gone out and practiced the other types, do it. Uh, You will not regret it, if I'm going to be totally honest with you, because just the exposure can sometimes help you figure out where you want to be and where you don't want to be. So now I guess it makes sense to talk about how, right? How do you get these jobs? (laughs) Step three, research the business. So look up what it takes to be a makeup artist in your state and specifically your town. Do you have to go to makeup school? Do you have to get a makeup artist license or diploma? Um, Licenses aren't super common for makeup artists, um, but diplomas might be. Do you have to be a fully licensed esthetician? Some states require you to be able to be a fully licensed esthetician, which means you have to go to esthetician school. You have to learn all about like hair, skin, and nails, and then you can practice with credentials in some cities or states or towns that is a requirement so different places have different rules learn the ones by you you can easily do it just a light google search obviously the cities that are like you know new york la you don't need to be credentialed that i know for a fact but there are places where you know a makeup artist on its own isn't sustainable so in new york huge fashion scene, theater, film, LA, like Hollywood, all of that. So the jobs are there. You don't need the credentialing for it. In areas where the makeup artist position, there aren't enough jobs sustaining it as a role on its own. And so it often gets lumped in with being a facialist or being an esthetician that that's where you might need a license. So read up on that, do a like Google search. And honestly, If you're looking to move elsewhere to a place where you can get more makeup jobs, that's a whole other level of research. We can talk about that in coaching, but it's, that's kind of a bigger life planning piece. Um, But yeah, figure out, first and foremost, figure out where you are or where you want to be, what the credentialing is like or what the licensure is like. Do you need it? Do you need to go to school, et cetera? And then figure out how you want to work, 
right? Do you want to be a freelancer? Okay, well, in that case, you definitely want to look into setting yourself up as a business, legally speaking, and getting super organized from that perspective, right? So some areas have a makeup artist union that can really help facilitate getting medical insurance, getting, you know, filling out your tax forms, things like that. And the cities where, like LA, like New York, where this career is more prominent, you may have a makeup artist union. Otherwise, you should look into the freelancers union. Um, even if you don't enroll, you they'll give you extra support if you do enroll, but ultimately you can go to their website to get information. And so this is all of the information you're going to need to know as a freelancer, how to get medical insurance, how to register yourself as a business legally, are you an S-Corp, are you an LLC, are you a sole proprietor, especially how to handle filing your taxes as a freelancer. Because just like weddings, you guys, taxes happen every year. And so you want to do your research. You want to figure out, okay, do I want to freelance? Do I want to work for a salon? Do I have access to a union? What what are the structures in play that will allow me to do this and make money from it and then not get audited and potentially sent to jail a la Martha Stewart? Okay, so you've done your research and then the next step, step four out of five, get hired. Here we go. We made it. So there are a few ways to get into the industry and all of them rely on hustle. Do you remember earlier in the episode when I told you take before and after photos of everything you did? That's your portfolio. And yes, you can hop on Model Mayhem or go to the mall or go on social media sites, find creatives in your area and set up actual photo shoots and flesh out your portfolio in that way. If you have access to that and you can commit the time and you um, can do that to build up your portfolio, do it. Go for it. But if you don't live in that area where that's a possibility and you're practicing on people that you know in your community, those before and after photos are going to showcase your work. They're going to be able to, they're going to showcase your skills. They're going to showcase your, your ability to work with clients. And so that's your portfolio. And then you take that and you take it to a salon or a beauty counter at the mall and you get hired. That's one route. That's one route if you want to, it's probably the fastest way to get hired for a makeup job, if I'm going to be honest, if you're just starting out, because in a salon, you will likely work on your makeup skills as well as your business skills, like building client relationships, balancing appointments, having difficult client conversations, which happen frequently, okay? Have you ever tried to tell a woman named Miriam that you don't recommend the blue eyeshadow that she has her heart completely set on wearing to her daughter's wedding? Have you ever told Miriam, you know, I really don't think that that's the way to go. And let's explore this other avenue. Like it's, it's a trip y'all. And in retail, you won't really hone your artistry skills, but the job will really, really help you nail your sales skills. You are going to learn how to sell the hell out of a product, and that's going to come in handy if you decide to freelance because you're going to have the confidence to go out there and really sell the hell out of yourself. And before you're like, oh, well, no, you do practice artistry at a counter, like a Mac counter. One... 
Mac artists are, Mac is the brand by artists for artists. So that is a place where you're really going to have to flex your skills. It is so difficult to get hired for a Mac counter job. Um, if you don't have sales experience, you don't have makeup artistry experience, like you really need to either get in at like a local market level, but I'm talking about like New York, LA, San Francisco. Mm, very, very, very difficult to get hired at Mac stores there because it is such an artistic hub of a city. So, and even then, like I know Mac artists, I have worked with Mac artists on the floor and yes, you get to be more creative and yes, you're kind of the brand that's known for giving makeovers, but you're not necessarily going to be doing that all the time. Halloween? Yes. New Year's? Yes. Valentine's Day? Maybe. But every single day, day in and day out, just doing makeup? No, honey, it's a sales shop. So you got to know how to sell. Both working in a salon and in retail and or in retail will help you more easily transition into the industry because you're going to have someone to report to. So a lot of those power structures that have been in play when you were in school, maybe you went to college, maybe you worked a day job, all of those kind of structures will help you more easily transition into the world of makeup. Going from a high structure of like, you have someone holding you accountable, just showing up at a certain time, sitting still for a certain amount of time, like reporting to them, all of those things. If you go from having that level of structure to then being self-employed as a freelancer, a lot of people, I'm telling you this because I love you, a lot of people can't handle that. They can't handle not being held accountable by someone else and having to hold themselves accountable instead. So if that's someone that you know that's your personality or you're just starting out, retail or a salon is a really, really great space to kind of give you that structure still while allowing you to perfect your craft and pursue your hustle. If you are someone who does not do well with authority and, and you have crazy good willpower, then congratulations, you can totally strike out on your own. You can be a freelancer, you can just go out and hustle, 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 and get that money. It takes someone who has a great deal of courage or a great deal of experience to make money freelancing, if that's not your personality type. When I started in the industry, I personally knew that I could not quit my day job to do makeup full time because it just was not suitable for me from a personality standpoint, from a financial standpoint. And so what I would do is I would go to my day job. I would work 7 a.m. until 4.30 p.m. at my day job in downtown New York City. And then I would work Monday through Friday. And then I would work on makeup at every other moment I could. So I had photo shoots on weekends. I had photo shoots at night. I had clients that I would see, like I would dip out of my day job on my lunch break and just have like a quickie meeting with meeting with a client and then like scarf down a salad on my way back to work. And anytime I wasn't with a client or I wasn't working, I was practicing my craft on myself, on my mom, like people around me. So just know that if you commit to working a day job and doing this side hustle like I did, you're basically going to have a day job and then have a full-time other job that is that has every single parallel with being an entrepreneur, where you have your high days, you have your low days, you have your high money days, low money days, high energy days, low energy days, high vibe, 
high vibration days, low vibration days. But you know, you don't, you don't have stability when you're, you're just freelancing. Eventually you get to a point where you're represented by an agency. You have steady work coming in because it's someone else's job to get those jobs for you. Then yeah. Okay. Hustle, hustle, hustle. You got someone that's like able to, to work that out for you. You got to work your way up to that point. And it takes, it's the same thing as a company. You know what I mean? Like you start off as, as a startup, anyone who's started a business, any entrepreneur, you know, I'm sure Marissa and Nora know that first stage of just like doubting yourself and then pendulating between utter dread and despair and doubt in yourself to then confidence and I can do this and I'm making money and I got this hashtag girl boss like all of these things the emotional swings between that every single day when you're a freelancer or when you're trying to like get out and make something in this world and monetize it so that you're able to subsist off of that as your primary pay or your primary income like that's tough that's so difficult. So for me, yeah, I would work. And then every other moment was spent on honing my skills, building my portfolio, all of those things. So because I was living in New York, that was a really, really big advantage for me because I had access to really awesome, awesome people and a great network of collaborators. And we all just really were starting out at the same time. There is this incredible photographer in New York named Rich kissy him and I were kind of starting out at the same time we were both in that space of like we have day jobs but we're not really doing what we want to be doing full-time like he wanted to be a photographer I wanted to be a makeup artist and so we started working together and then as we both gained momentum we would throw work at each other like he would basically if someone didn't need a photographer but needed a makeup artist then they were like oh like call Julia like she's great or if I knew of someone that was you know just got engaged and I was like oh do you need engagement photos done like I know this really great photographer like we would throw jobs at each other to kind of help each other continue that momentum and we would always try to like collaborate as much as we could like if a client was like oh do you have a photographer that you work with yeah let me bring rich this is quote so in the beginning, we would really exchange images that we worked on together in our little up and coming group. We would get credit and we would kind of rotate through who paid for lunch, but ultimately we worked with each other for free. Now, a note on this, because this is where it gets tricky and this is where you really need to be careful. If you are starting out and there are people who are also getting started, they're kind of coming in at the same stage where you're at. Working together for nothing, except for maybe like a free lunch or exchanged photos, that can be okay because everyone's got to start somewhere. But once we all started working, me and Rich and everyone else in our crew, there was a videographer and a hair person. Once we started getting other jobs and we started to make money, we would throw work to each other. Like it wasn't any one of those things anymore where we would just be like, Like, because Rich and I were coming up and we worked and exchanged our photos with each other for free, doesn't mean that when a client came to us, we would work with that client for free. You know what I mean? And so there was a very strong trust that we had. I I keep using past tense verbs because I now live in California and I haven't collaborated with him for such a long time, but I still follow his career very actively and he's just doing such incredible work. So... for 
for us, like we were just starting out and we were collaborating. But then as soon as we started getting paying gigs, like we brought each other along. That trust was there. And since we knew and respected each other's hustle, we looked out for one another, right? If you see that someone is working steadily and they're getting paid, but then they ask you to do a job for free, don't do it. If a brand or a company is asking you to promote something in exchange for products, but without paying you for your work, don't do it. You're not getting paid in product. That's not a fucking thing. Okay? Now, I know. I know. It's so tempting to get the exposure and the opportunities, but if you aren't confident in your skills just yet, then set your quote accordingly. So what I mean by that is research what the range is for makeup artists in your city and town and then price yourself according to your experience level. The work you do on a specific project is only a small part of your quote for that project. Say you got hired to do, see it's hard because I was going to say, say you get hired to do Vogue and they're like, we're not going to pay you. You'd be like, but it's Vogue. But no, the reality is like, say Vogue was like, oh yeah, let me hire you to do this job, right? This isn't the way it works, but hypothetically. I would then send them my quote and be like, this is what my work costs. That quote is not 100% rooted in the work that I'm going to do on the Vogue photo shoot. That quote comes from the years that I have spent perfecting my craft, the years that I have spent steadily working at and churning out results, the practice that I put in, the time that I put in, the level of professionalism that I put in, all of that makes up your quote. So it's not just what you can deliver on that project. It's all of the work that you've done leading up to that point. That's why the longer that you've been doing this and the more experience that you have and the more clients that you work with and the larger your portfolio is, the higher your price can be. It's just simple economics. So your quote should take all of that into account. And if you need a soundbite, here it is. The work you do on a specific project is only a small part of your quote for that project. The work you do on a specific project is only a small part of your quote for that project. Your quote should take into account the time you've spent practicing and perfecting your work. It should take into account the satisfaction of your previous clients, of the people you've practiced on, of the people you've worked with. The work you've done to prepare for the job is mostly what you're getting paid for, not necessarily the work that you're doing at the actual job. That's part of it. That's not all of it. The rest is showing up on time. It's being professional. It's doing what you have worked so hard to be good at, being a makeup artist. You will get more practice if you're committed to your craft. You will get more jobs if you are committed to your hustle. And as you do, raise your prices accordingly. And this isn't only about valuing yourself for what you're worth, which you should be doing. This is also about valuing your other freelancers in the industry and your other makeup artists in the industry. Here is what I mean by that. If you lowball your quote, then you are shortchanging not only yourself, but the other artists in your area. And you might say, but Julia, don't I want a competitive advantage? Which leads me to step five. It's about professional respect 
not cutthroat competition. The makeup industry, as you may already know, and if you don't know, now you know, is a very, very strong community. Trying to succeed while throwing other people under the bus is not going to give you a competitive advantage. It just won't. Instead, you'll solidify your reputation as an asshole and no one will want to work with you. It's just like the the virus that gets in. Oh, too soon, too soon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just like the decay that gets in and spreads. That's not any better. Basically, show up on time, which actually means show up early. It's so common in this industry that people are always running late. I don't know what it is, specifically in the fashion community. I feel like everyone is always running late. And if you want to set yourself apart early on, then show up early. Don't show up on time. Call time is 7 a.m. Show up at 645 and start setting up your station and get to know everyone and kind of feel everything settle into the day. Work collaboratively with your fellow creatives because in the freelance industry specifically, a rising tide really does lift all boats. Like I was saying earlier, when Rich and I were just starting out, we were throwing each other jobs once we started kind of making money. I say kind of because it was the first time that we really focused on like pricing ourselves or figuring it out. I did at least. I don't know. Rich was a little bit more either better than me at it or more experienced or better at faking it. But, you know, yeah. Also, that network, that strong community, people will trust you. The more they trust you, the more they will send clients your way. The more that someone will say, you know, oh, I need a makeup artist for this. And your makeup artist friend will be like, oh, I'm not available, but I have a really you know, I have this person that I trust and I highly recommend her or him or them, right? So be sure to return the favor whenever you can. Keep the network going. And it's all about like, that's what networking is. I feel like I've done so many networking events and it's just so cringy. I was recently asked to speak on a beauty panel in San Francisco about like the future of beauty. And I stayed after and people kind of approached me and would hand me their cards and it was almost robotic like someone would hand me a card maybe a prototype for for their product and give me the pitch of what they were doing and I'm like fuck when did like we started focusing on networking and it just became this like almost dehumanized thing where everyone's pushing an agenda And the thing that I love about the beauty community and the artists of this community is that we're not here to hand you a card and a lipstick and be like, now this is what I want from you. We just want to show up and have fun and make people feel good and make people look good. And the the networking, quote unquote, that's in the industry is bullshit. Like it's just the bullshit radars in the industry are high, 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 high. I mean, especially the fashion industry, like an industry built on aesthetics is an industry that can see through bullshit because it has created bullshit sometimes. So when you come in and you try to network and you're like, yes, this is what it like, people are just going to not deal with it. But if you come in, you just work a job and you're, you're being yourself and you're being genuine and you're showing up and you're being professional, 
Yeah, that's networking. That's what networking really is. And ultimately, I know it seems like it would be so much fun to be a makeup artist. Like I was saying, like fun, aesthetics, pretty, etc., etc. I want to underscore again that being a makeup artist and being an influencer are two different things. And both of them have their perks and both of them have their drawbacks. But at the end of the day, both are jobs. Being a makeup artist is a job. So bring your personality, have fun with it, but keep it professional. Show up early, be respectful, be genuine, don't bullshit, don't posture, posture, just keep it real and keep practicing. Those are my five, five biggest tips that I would give you. So just to review, perfect your skills, figure out the basics and then elevate on those, practice, practice, practice. Step two, figure out what kind of makeup artist you want to be. Do you want to specialize? Um, What kind of industry do you want to really burrow into? Or do you want to do a few things kind of a little less committedly, right? And there are some art, some makeup artists that will be celebrity makeup artists. They'll do red carpet, they'll do film, but figure it out. Step two, figure out what kind of artist you want to be. Step three, research the business, figure out what credentials, what legal licensure you need, how do you get medical insurance, things like that, be an adult about it. Step four, get hired, whether it's a salon, whether it's retail, whether you get hired for your first freelance job, your first wedding, get hired. Get out there and get money. And then step five, remember the community is strong. A rising tide lifts all boats. So not cutthroat, show up, ready to commit, ready to work, ready to be a part of the community and just be yourself and have fun with it. Again, hit me up on Patreon if you want specific coaching, one-on-one coaching, um, or if you want to, even if you don't want like professional coaching, but you just want some makeup advice or some makeup coaching, just go through those channels, Patreon. Again, it's in the show notes, but I hope this was a little helpful. I hope this kind of broke it down for you. And maybe you've listened to this. If you've gotten to this point, you're like, "Mm, you know, when she puts it that way, like it doesn't really sound like that much fun. Maybe you want to be more of an influencer and that's totally fine too. There are people that'll shit on that and judge you. But I mean, if you're making money, then jokes on them because you're doing something right. So or, or if you're being successful in the way that you define success, because for some people that's money and for some people it's not. So if you are achieving success in the way that you define success, then you're winning. Fuck the haters. That's all. So I hope this was helpful. Um, hit me up on Instagram at MUA Chronicle or on any of the socials under that handle. Um, or hit me up on Patreon, get those coaching lessons. I will talk to you next week. What am I talking about? I don't know because I'm recording this on Thursday. It goes out tomorrow. I haven't even thought about next week's episode yet. So if you have any requests or questions, fire them my way. Send me a DM and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. And tell your friends about the Make Artist Chronicle too. You can always get more content on Instagram at MUA Chronicle, so don't forget to follow me there. Talk to you soon.